0: Yo, 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 welcome back to the Been There, Done That podcast, episode number 33. I'm your host, and I go by Ben. So episode number 33, kind of another easy one today. Uh, Episode 33 is your Larry Bird episode of the Been There, Done That podcast. Once again, if you're not familiar with who this is, he was also a basketball player back in the 80s and into the 90s, played with the Boston Celtics, and of course, Team USA, uh, Larry Bird, one of the all-time greats in the game of basketball, um, and if you don't know who it is, you should go look it up, because he was pretty good. He's a good one. So anyway, Larry Bird episode, and of course, there's quite a bit to talk about once again today here after the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Bills. We're going to recap that game, talk about what happened in the game and what it means for both teams. Uh, we're going to give a quick little recap of the other divisional round games uh, and just talk about... You know how my predictions went this weekend, Um, then we'll go into the championship weekend, give a preview of the games, and my predictions for those, and then we're also going to do another quick little top five list, Um, and I'm wondering, I think I might keep it a secret, Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it a secret, I'll tell you this, it has nothing to do with sports, so for those of you who are just listening to this because you you know we're friends or we're family and you care about me but you don't really care anything about sports um, I would advise maybe sticking around Um, or if you really want to be that if you really want to you can fast forward till about five minutes left Um, and I'm going to give another top five list that has nothing to do with sports so stick around for that should be interesting and then to finish it up as always we're going to have an office quote of the week so without further ado Let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, today, I don't really have much of a weekly recap for myself. I know I usually like to start that way. But when I tell you, I really didn't do anything this past week because of snow and getting, you know, just bad weather. There was not really a whole lot going on. Outside of maybe I went bowling once last week on a snow day uh, with a couple, with some of my students. And, of course, I still won, obviously. Like, I, I wasn't going to lose to my students. But I did bowl great. And we, we bowled three games. And I got to tell you, I was sore. And I'm like, how old am I getting? Really, is am I just? I mean, I know I'm 27. What should be my athletic prime, but when you, I guess when you don't ever work out and you don't really do much physical activity, that's what happens. You go bowling, you bowl three games, and then you're sore. You know, my hips for whatever, and my my legs a little bit. I was just feeling it, and then of course my shoulders. Um, so, anyway, that's all I really did last week outside of watch football. Uh, so. There's your quick little recap of what I did, but now on to the more important things: the Chiefs versus the Bills in the divisional round, um, a matchup we've come pretty accustomed to seeing here in the past couple of years, and one that has ended with the, with the good guys winning every time. And if you ask any random person on the street now, you may not, you know, they may not tell you the Chiefs are the good guys, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more about that later. But as you know, the Chiefs beat the Bills 27 to 24. Um, and I just have to throw this in there. My prediction, if you were listening last week, you'll know. My prediction, my prediction was that the Chiefs would win twenty-seven to twenty-three. So I was one point of getting the score exactly right. Uh, I think you know, safe to say, I kind of, I guess I'm, I know what I'm doing now. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was lucky. Probably a little bit more of that. But you know, it felt good to to just to get the prediction only by one point and got the Chiefs score exactly right. So. Um, had to toot my own horn a little bit there, but in terms of the actual game, how it went, I want to go over a couple of the good things, a couple of the bad things, and then just some takeaways for both teams that they're that the teams are going to walk away with from this one. Uh, number one on the good for the Chiefs, the offense is back. I mean, they quite simply could not be stopped. Uh, you know, they they punted one time. They had they. They gained nine yards per play. You know, if you take out the kneel downs at the end of the game, you have nine yards per play. Um, they had eight plays of 20 plus yards. They looked like the team we came to know and love the the few years before. Like they haven't looked like this all year long. And then they show up in the playoffs against a, a team that has been in the playoffs, what, four or five years in a row? An experienced team, the Buffalo Buffalo Bills. And I know they were injured, but they still had a lot of guys with playoff experience. And some, some talented guys on that defense who were just getting torched over and over and over again. And the offense, because of what Rasheed Rice brings at the table, is it feels like they're back into full form. If they can hit you deep. Um, they can take the underneath play. And most importantly, they can run the ball. I mean, the Chiefs are running the ball. When you watch that game, I think a lot of people, our first reaction was like, oh my gosh, the Bills are just running the ball at will. And they did, they ran the ball well, but the Chiefs ran the ball better than the Bills did. I mean, the Chiefs, they were only they only had like 30 less rush yards than the Bills, but they ran it, I want to say, like 15 or 20 times less. I mean, the, the yards per rush attempt for the Chiefs was like 7.5 yards per carry. Again, if you take out the kneel downs at the end of the game. I mean, they ran the ball better than the Bills did, who... That was the best thing the Bills did all game long was run the ball, and the Chiefs did it better. Um, Pacheco is a dog, and Clyde, Edwards-Alaire, I mean, I don't know what this guy did, what kind of turnaround, but he looked kind of like a dead man walking. I mean, that might be a little extreme, but he did not look like a guy who was all that interested in being there. He looked out of shape, uh, and he looked like he was ready to get out of Kansas City and go be a backup somewhere else. But for whatever reason, he has stepped up the past couple of months with Pacheco been you know being out with injuries a little bit here and there Pacheco stepped up and he only had two carries but I believe they went for 35 yards two for 35 yards I mean he had it was his longest run in like three years and his longest run I believe since the covid season um and he just has some juice right now that we haven't seen from from him in a couple of years and because of that and because of the chief's ability to run block with their interior, Offensive line, their, their run game is just as scary as their pass game. They are balanced, um, and they are very hard to stop right now, and it's fun to watch. Uh, continuing on with the good, the offensive line looked outstanding. Again, we talked about the run game. It, 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 that's, that's where it starts, is the offensive line. Uh, and they also didn't allow any sacks. Now, I mean, we know Mahomes is good at avoiding sacks, but there, it, it, wasn't, it didn't feel like one of those games where Mahomes was just working his magic avoiding sacks. I mean, there were a few times he rolled out, but for the most part... He was able to sit in the pocket uh, and and let the routes develop, and then he was able to put it on the guys, and it just it looked great. It looked like they were in rhythm, and which is what you want. Um, MVS, I'm. I told a few people this. I'm not 100 convinced that it wasn't Dwayne Bowe out there who, who threw an MVS jersey on and and then came through with a, a couple huge catches, um, as we know early on in the, in the third quarter. There, there was the throw to MVS out of the sideline. Uh, that was what 28, 30 yards, something like that. And then another play later in the game that I, I think it was third and long. I, mean, I, I don't remember the exact situation, but again, he had a huge catch uh, that moved the Chiefs into field goal range or got him into the red zone. And, and it was also not an easy catch. It was in traffic, and he took a hit, and he and he held onto the ball. And I'm just and, and he so he had two catches for sixty-two yards, which is what he was paid to do when he first came here. Is be that guy? He's not. He's not going to be your eight, nine, ten. 11 catch a game type of guy. But, you know, he 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 spreads the field out and he makes you worry about the deep threat. That's ultimately his role. And he played it perfectly this game. He had a few deep, a a few deep catches that forced the Bills to to respect that, that understanding the Chiefs could do that if they if they wanted to. And and that opened up everything else, including the running game. So shout out MVS, man. It's been a rough year, obviously. Um, But man, he came up. He came up big and you so you got to tip the cap for as as bad as everything else is gone he was huge in this game for the for those couple catches uh, i also look at the play calling i think it was mostly really good and understanding the balance of like Mahomes doesn't have to throw the ball 54 times like you have the ability to to stay balanced and run the ball and use play action off of it and and then take the deep shot when the, when the defense tries to to work their way in a little bit and i think outside of the the play calling in the red zone where McCole Harvard fumbled. Now I know hindsight is 20-20. It's easy to, to look at that and, and say, why would you do that? He fumbled, you know. But but you all know I've been I've been banging this drum all year long. When you have less than five yards to go, whether it's to get pick up a first down or to get in the end zone, you don't need to mess around. Like this offensive line is great, especially the interior. Pacheco just has that dog in him. He he's not gonna. We've seen this time and time again, his ability to fight for pick- and picking up that extra yard or two. And when it's, f- I-, I believe it was from the four yard line from the four or five yard line, first and goal. I mean, just hand it to Pacheco. Like there's no reason to try to get cute. And I get, you want to get McColl's hard McColl Hardman's confidence going like, yeah, that'd be nice, but it'd be nice in October to do that. It's January. It's the divisional round. It- if he's not confident, then don't play him right. That this, it's not the time to do that. It's, it's right now is the time to go in the game. But anyway, this is supposed to be the good. Um, but again, and just so outside of that play, I thought the play calling was very good. Um, it was balanced. Um, and it's part of the reason the offense looks so explosive. Um, Travis Kelsey, uh, I, I kind of LOL to the people who, who've, who've been saying he's slowing down. Um, he was one missed throw away from having three touchdowns. He just to give you a few little updates on Kelsey, he's now six catches away from tying Jerry Rice's all time playoff reception record. So he could very well break that this week. If um, you know, with, with seven catches this week, he's going to be the all time playoff reception leader. Um, he's four touchdowns away from tying Jerry Rice's touchdown record. So he's he's not likely to pass that this week. Obviously, four touchdowns is a lot. Um, but if he gets on a, a heater here and, and, and they manage to go to the Super Bowl, he could get there. Again, not likely, most likely going to take one more post, one more good postseason run to to do that. Um, But again, only he's, he's in sole possession of second place on the all time touchdown or postseason touchdown list. Uh, And then in terms of yards, um, not going to happen this year. He's about 550 yards away from tying break from tying uh, or breaking Rasheed, Rashid Rice, Jerry Rice's um, yardage record in the playoffs. So again, likely one or two more deep postseason runs away from doing that. But I mean, it's all in grasp. It is all within reach for Kelsey, um, and, and for him to go five catches, seventy-five yards, two touchdowns, and you and you saw that the touchdown—I I don't remember if it was the first or second one—but the one where he he reached out to the the pylon and just that that extra effort of "I'm going to get in the end zone. You're not going to stop me." Um, he still got it. He's still that guy. Um, and so the one-two punch of him and or she rise along with the running game is why the offense is clicking right now. And it's the perfect time for it. And then last but not least, of course on the offensive side of the ball with the good, I mean, who else do you talk about besides number 15? Uh, I mean, if he, he, he I got to think he would, he silenced pretty much most of any of the critics that were um, concerned about him in the playoffs on the road. Cause he never played on the road. I mean, this was one of his better games in, in his postseason career. Um, and, you know, he was a couple overthrows away from a nearly perfect game. And I think that's just about the only knock from the whole game of, he, you know, there, there was the that, that possession early on where he overthrew Kelsey and then he overthrew MVS. And it's not like those were easy throws. He's got to get it up over the linebacker and then drop it back in the bucket in the back of the end zone. Um, and I think he was just a little, he's, he's saying, I'd rather overthrow them and play it safe than, uh, you know, throw it too low to a place the linebacker can hop up and get it. And so, you know, all that to say, he was a couple overthrows away from having a, a literal perfect game. And it kind of reminded me of last year's Super Bowl to an extent. Like the, the numbers for the game don't really pop off the screen. Right. He, he went for about 215 yards and a couple touchdowns, um, but he was incredibly efficient. I mean, and, and that's why his passer rating was up over 130, like up in up in the really high area. Um, and it, it just seemed like every time the Bills scored, he just had an answer every time. Every time the Bills would score, he would just go right back down the field in six plays and score a touchdown. And and, and it was just like – for him, it's almost like he something else clicks in him whenever the other team scores and he gets behind. He's like, well, we, I can't leave it there. I got to go score. So let's go do that. And it's, all, it's just like clockwork, you know. And quite honestly, he just – it's another example of seeing the way that he he strikes fear – into his opponents, and I think this is a big part of what why the Bills kind of crumbled there at the end. The Bills have the ball down by three. I think they got the ball with like eight minutes to go, and they just went methodically down the field, four yards, five yards, eight yards, three yards. You know, They went on like a, a six-plus-minute drive there at the end with a chance to tie or take the lead. And what you saw was the Bills were more worried about Mahomes getting the ball back. Like, they had PTSD from the 13-second game. And in their mind, they have, at the two-minute warning, they have, I believe it's second down at that point. I don't remember exactly, but I believe, I want to say it was either second down, it was either second or third down at the two-minute warning. And you're in field goal range, but not automatic field goal range. And you can tell the, the, the way the Bills are calling plays, they're more worried about, they they want to get a first down before getting a touchdown, and uh, at least the coaches do. Josh Allen was just taking shots at the end zone, so they, they it brought them to a place they weren't on the same page, and you could just tell they, there was this hesitancy to be like, we just can't score this quickly because Mahomes is going to get the ball back. And so it got to a point they were more worried about Mahomes getting the ball than they were about actually scoring and staying in the game, and that's ultimately what happened. And and the fear that Mahomes struck. And the Bills and, and Sean McDermott cost them the game. Because as, as we all know, the Tyler Bass came out. And honestly, the kick looked great at first. And it just, for whatever reason, it just pulled away. It was one of those, I don't think there's anything anyone could have done. The, the ball just hooked right last last minute uh, and didn't go in. and went wide right. Which um, I'm, I know Buffalo, it's already a, a sore subject. Wide right. But it's what happened. And quite honestly, I think it really is because they were more worried about the clock and how much time Mahomes was going to have, um, you know, than than actually scoring. And the the tough part here is, I've heard I've heard people saying over the last couple of days. I, I actually even heard it on. I heard it, I saw a clip of it this morning, which made me just chuckle a little bit um, about you know how if the Bills would have made that field goal. I, you know, some people are just like, "Well, then the game's going to go to overtime." And I'm like, th- "There was a minute and 45 seconds on the clock with two timeouts. I'm like, have you been watching any of the did you even watch any of the game? I mean, did you see the way the-, the chiefs moved the ball all game long? That game was not going to overtime. I can tell you that. We've seen it way too many times. The chiefs were going to march down the field and run the clock out and kick a last second field goal. That and Bucker would have made it at the horn, at the buzzer to win the game. Like we've seen that one too many times. That that's exactly what would have happened if the Chiefs got the ball back with the with the game tied. But luckily they didn't have to worry about it because their kicker missed, and and there were no questionable calls. It wasn't like as much as people love finding excuses. It wasn't the refs. It wasn't it, the Chiefs were just better, and the Bills didn't take advantage of the mistakes that the Chiefs made. Uh, so, you know. Keep it going with a few more of the good. Uh, the defense, although not their best game, they, they came through when it counted, right? There, I think their game plan was clear, which was to the allow the Bills to run the ball, uh, and and just make them take several plays to get down the field, um, and just kind of hope that they would get antsy as the game went on, trying to do that, and and eventually make a mistake, which is kind of what happened. Like the when they got to the the fourth down and they tried the fake with Demar Hamlin. That was, that was an example of that. They were, they were a little antsy, and they're like, we just can't really afford to give the ball back. We have to keep the ball. We have to keep the ball. Uh, and then we saw it again the last few drives uh, where the game plan seemed to go out the window for the Bills, and, and Josh Allen was just throwing the ball as far as he could what seemed like every single play. And, you know, tipped the cap. One of them was a great throw, uh, and I think it's very easy to look at it and be like, yeah, Stephon Diggs, you're, the, you're this high-paid receiver. you got to catch the ball, and, and I agree. You, 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 do, you should catch the ball, but that is not an easy catch for anyone. I mean, if anyone's ever tried to, to look in a ball, that's been thrown 70 yards down the field uh, for it to go like that. And then last second, the safety is, you know, you, you've got Justin Reed has had good coverage on him and he's kind of obstructing the vision a little bit. And the last second, Justin Reed kind of falls down. And, and so Stefan Diggs has maybe half a second to pick the ball up. And, and, and so, Again, all to say that's a very low percentage play. That's why you don't see it all the time, uh, because it's such a low percentage play. And and we saw that we saw the percentage, you know, the numbers stay true to form, and they didn't. They weren't. They didn't convert it. You know. Um. Gosh, what was they even talking about again? Um. But oh, yeah. So the they, the mistakes they were. The Chiefs were just waiting for the Bills to make a mistake, and and Josh Allen almost did it, right with the fumble uh, as well. And the Bills were fortunate again there that the Chiefs didn't pick it up. Right, they tried to, to tried to scoop and score, which in hindsight, again, it's like just pick the ball up and fall on it, and you, the game's probably over. Uh, but the Chiefs, of course, they tried to scoop and score, and it almost came back to, to bite them, uh, but luckily they didn't. De- defense held up, and so that was their game plan, and I, they stuck to that. And you know, it was hard to watch in the first half. It was just like, hey, I, I'm not I'm no defensive coordinator, but I think they're gonna try to run the ball, or hey, I think they're gonna run a screenplay. Which felt like the only two plays they ran the whole game. Um, but they knew their game plan and they stuck to it and it worked. Right? When when you look at it in, in totality, they while it felt it felt like they were getting worked the whole game, but they only allowed seven points in the second half. Right. And to allow twenty four points to one of the top five scoring offenses in the NFL, you can't be mad about that, right? You know? I'll take that every time. So if they allow twenty four points with the way the offense looks now, I'll take that every time. So, Spe- Steve Spagnuolo might be the best in the NFL at making halftime adjustments. I think this is another big part of it, and then speaks again to that, the sec- seven points they scored in the second half. We've seen this all year long, where it looks like the offense has some- the other offense has something figured out early on, and they they're picking up, you know, five six yards a carry through the first half, and they're running the ball almost at will. And then at halftime, they come out, and the Chiefs tighten up. And they're able to – they force the other team to try to throw deep uh, or, or, you know, with bigger dropbacks and, and longer throws. But because of the corner play this year with with, with Snead and McDuffie, it just hasn't been an option. And so the offenses are, are sputtering against the Chiefs in the second half. And we've seen it time and time again, and, and we saw it again here. Uh, so I think another thing to look at with the defense is the depth continue to show. I mean, big shout-out to Chamari Connor. The, the rookie safety, uh, who, who he's been filling in for Brian Cook since he went out, um, but also with Mike Edwards out, in one of the first plays of the game, Chamari Connor stepped up and and I think led the team in tackles, and he was all over the field. And Shamari Connor was was quite honestly the best defensive player on the field for the Chiefs, maybe for both teams, and had a huge game, and he's only a rookie. Um, and so I, I you know got to give a shout out to Connor. Um, I also you know. Another one of those things with the eye test, it felt like Chris Jones was quiet. But the two plays that he made, the two notable plays, I think you could argue kept eleven points off of the, the, the board for the Bills. Right. The play early on where he batted it down on third down, held him to a field goal. That's three instead of instead of seven. And then at the end of the game, when he he blocks Deion Dawkins back into Josh Allen, right? He's not gonna get credit for that in the scoreboard or in the in the stat sheet or anything. It's not a sack. Um, but I think he affected Josh Allen's throw a little bit, who missed a wide open Shakir in the end zone um, because he was a little bit off balance because his lineman got pushed back into him. You know, So again, Chris Jones, while it felt like he wasn't really wrecking the game like we've gotten used to seeing, he made two plays that, again, very arguably kept 11 points off the board for the Bills, um, which may have been the difference in the game. Uh, so shout out to CJ95 for that. I also look at Drew Tranquil, another really good game for him. Uh, I This, he may be the most underrated free agent signing in the Veach era. I mean, he's been phenomenal this year. He's been all over the place uh, and he's kind of forces. His hand is like, he, he has to be on the field right now. Just the way he's playing uh, his speed and his, his instincts, his intelligence. He's got, he's has to be on the field. Um, and that's a good problem to have when you have a lot of guys who are just like, I don't have a choice, but I, I have to, this guy, this guy needs to be on the field. He's, he's too good. He's too effective. He's making too many things happen. Um, so Drew Tranquil has been a huge addition to this defense. Um, and again, a great signing by Brett Veach. And then to wrap all this up, the, um, the good things, Butker, Harrison Butker is still nails. Not much else to say. Knocked down both of his kicks uh, and, and, you know, or I guess I should say, knocked down both of his field goals. Not made all three of his extra points, and the Chiefs win by three. So there you have it. Bucker still nails, still that guy. Over to some things that weren't so great. The bad. Number one, pretty easy. Michael Hardman. Yikes. Uh, my, I think my, my first instinct. I think a lot of our first instinct would be to say that he should not see the field on Sunday against the Ravens. Um, and and I would have said the same thing about MVS coming into this last week. Um, and what did he do? He helped them win. He helped them win the game versus the Bills. And sometimes this happens. I mean, Nicole Hardman has made big plays in the past. Uh, he's had big moments in, in the postseason in the past. And on one hand, it's, you know, he's not quite the same player he was maybe a couple of years ago, but also it, it just bad games happen sometimes. And he's still recovering from an injury. He came off of IR and he's still probably trying to get used to it. But the reality is, knowing Andy Reid, he has his guys. And I would expect Andy Reid to to continue to try to get Hardman somewhat involved. You know, whether it's on a jet sweep um, or even taking a deep shot down the field, whatever it might be. I don't expect we've seen the last of McCole Hardman. Um, Again, just knowing Andy Reid. um, So, not saying I agree with it. Not saying I disagree with it. But just don't be shocked. When even after the nightmare of a game he had with what two, I think he had two rushing yards, one catch for a negative yard, and two fumbles, one lost, about as bad as it gets. Again, I just say wouldn't don't be surprised if you see him out there, and Andy Reid continues to try to get the ball to him a little bit. Number two on my list of bad, this one hurts, but Nick Bolton, he had a especially in the first half, a very tough time keeping up in pass coverage. Um, just not his best game overall. Um, and honestly, he he's kind of supposed to be a run stopper with just his instincts and his vision, right? He's not the fastest or the strongest or the biggest, um, which is why he's not the, the best in pass coverage as a linebacker. But he's always been very good in the run. He's always been a high tackle guy, sideline to sideline uh, as a kind of a run stopper. And the Bills just, again, they ran all over the Chiefs for the majority of the game. And tough you know, kind of tough for Nick Bolton. Um, the good thing is the, the Ravens are a very run-heavy team as well, and I would expect Nick Bolton to make a few adjustments this week. You know, working with Spags, um, going back to the adjustments thing there, I expect Nick Bolton to kind of bounce back and and understanding how run-heavy the, the Ravens are going to be and how important his role is going to be in the game. And so hopefully the the rough game from Bolton, you know, gives him a little bit of a wake-up call to say hey we need you and and he's gonna have a good game on this week hope I'm hoping a couple other things not much push from the d line uh, in terms of like pass uh, or pressure on pass attempts now a big part of this was the bills ran the ball 39 times like they were running the ball all game long and oh, they mentioned on the broadcast several times the bills that oftentimes would have six offensive linemen in, in the game which makes things a little too difficult in terms of matchups on offense. Cause like, if you bring in another defensive lineman, are you going to bring out a linebacker? Or are you going to bring out someone in the secondary? And at that point you may be leaving some, some guys one-on-one without safety help. Um, and so they were in a bit of an awkward spot with how often the bills ran the ball. Um, but the bills also did have 16 pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage. And so again, like whether that was screens or whatever, just different things like there's not really an opportunity to get a pass rush for most of that, but you, you do still have over 20 pass attempts where where Josh Allen is backing up in a drop, looking down the field, and even in those, it really didn't feel like it was very often that they got much of any pressure on him outside of the, you know the one with Chris Jones there at the end, the one that really mattered. But the Bills they have a decent offensive line, but it's not like the best in the league by any means. And, you know, it would have been good to see more pressure than they had. Um, but, again, hopefully they're able to see some things in the film and look at the Ravens and say, we'll be able to be, beat them. So, again, hopefully, hopefully to see, hoping to see some improvement from the D-line this weekend. Uh, and then lastly on the bad, this one wasn't really anyone's fault, but Joe Tooney left the game. Now, I guess you might call this a bad on the broadcast of, like, the Chiefs' best offensive lineman goes out with an injury, and we don't even know about it. Like, I didn't even notice until like the Chiefs' last drive when Nick Allegretti was out there, and I'm like, why is Nick Allegretti in the game? Um, come to find out a couple days later, through doing research and listening to other podcasts, that Joe Tooney had a pectoral injury. it uh, was a bit of a mouthful. Joe Tooney with a pectoral injury who uh, and we were, he had an MRI on Monday and, you know, of course they're hoping it's not a pectoral tear because then his season would be done, but it came out either last night or early today. with the good news that it's only a pec strain. So still not ideal, obviously. Well, given the circumstances, I guess you could call it ideal um, compared to the other alternatives. Um, but it means he'll have a chance to play this week. It's kind of, it's really up in the air. Um he's, going to be questionable and most likely a game time decision I would imagine um, but that would hurt for the Chiefs I mean he's their best offensive lineman he makes the guys around him better um, but I, I will say Nick Allegretti is an experienced guy he, he started in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers which I do know was you know the low point in Chiefs offensive line history um, but he was also only one of five on the line I think Nick Allegretti's a great swing guy a great sixth Person on the, in the rotation of, you know, of being a backup offensive lineman. He he's been in the system a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's very good, um, as backup offensive linemen go. And so I th- I don't think the Chiefs would be you know, I I wouldn't describe it as the Chiefs don't have a chance to win just because Nick Allegretti's in the game. Of course, not ideal, um, but they can still win if Nick Allegretti's playing left guard. As, as the main thing I'm trying to get at. But of course, we do hope Joe Tooney is able to figure out a way to play because he is a huge part of what they're able to do, especially running the ball. And, and I'm sure he's been helpful with Donovan Smith as a left tackle and, um, and seeing him progress a little bit, which also quick little side note, chiefs were only penalized twice for 15 yards. So shout out to the left tackles for one blocking. Well, and two, you know, not being penalized. It was he besides the one that was before half and the chiefs probably weren't going to score there anyway. So it is what it is, but Um, yeah there's your your good and your bad uh a couple of the big big picture takeaways um what does this mean for both both teams number one chiefs i think i think i've said this before the chiefs are the villains of the nfl right at this point um it's fun to kind of wander around the internet and and social media you know and and just looking at what people are, are saying uh it's fun to see how much people hate the Chiefs, right? And I think th- the the whole Taylor Swift thing, I believe is just kind of a bit of a cherry on top of it all because half the comments I see on the internet are people are like, "Oh, I'm so tired of Taylor Swift." Like, I just want to watch football, you know, like you don't care at all. It it, it doesn't affect you at all that Taylor Swift is at the game. They show Taylor Swift like Every, uh, you know, every couple drives, they'll show her on the way out of commercial or on the way back in from commercial. And, I, and I'm and i like, she's probably getting maybe 60 seconds of airtime throughout the whole broadcast, and you're not missing any part of the game. I'm like, the, the reality is people don't actually care that Taylor Swift is on the broadcast. They probably actually think it's cool. If there were any other team that she were at, they'd be like, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift is there. But it's because it's the Chiefs. It's because they hate seeing the Chiefs win over and over and over again. Uh, and they're just annoyed with everything about the Chiefs, and and so Taylor, it's just an easy target to to go after Taylor Swift, I guess. Um, and I think it's also pretty cool, you know. I, again, I'm not, I'm pretty indifferent on the whole thing. I'm like, if she's at the game, awesome. If she's not, I don't really care. Uh, like, I, I I'm not gonna get mad one way or the other. Um, but I do, I also do think it's cool that I was kind of my eyes were open to a little bit this week of all the stories that are coming from like. People that are now watching football that never would have, but they're watching it because they want to see Taylor Swift at the game. I think it's actually kind of cool. Uh, it's opening up a, a whole new you know, fan base, I guess, um, or demographic of people who are now getting to experience the joy of watching the NFL. And not just the NFL, but the Chiefs, who are in the midst of an all-time run, um, because just because Taylor Swift is there. Uh, and and so i think it's great for the nfl that she's there there's there's people that would never have been bef- never before would they have watched the nfl but now they are because she's there and i i'm just like i i don't see how that could be a negative at all unless you're just mad that the chiefs are winning so there's my little side rant um but i'm pro taylor swift officially so for what that's worth back to the game back to the actual big picture takeaways um and just the whole, you know, the people on the internet, they, they so badly wanted Buffalo to win, uh, and they so badly want Baltimore to win this week. It's funny watching or just seeing people, you know, they're, they're saying the Super Bowl we need, Lions versus Ravens. Um, that Like we just, people are very tired of seeing the Chiefs win. And, uh, you know, of course, as a Chiefs fan, it is a lot of fun. Because uh, the reality, the Chiefs right now are like Thanos. They're inevitable. I mean, even in their worst season, they're still here even in the worst season in the Mahomes era, they are still in the AFC title game. They still went on the road and beat the, the bills who had won seven in a row who beat them earlier this year. And they, but it, it just didn't matter because Mahomes is that guy. I mean, and the rowdy, like I think another thing I, I look at this that, that I think is really cool. The chiefs have had the success with Mahomes and, in, in multiple different team build styles, right? So, Mahomes on a rookie contract with a defense that couldn't stop anybody. 2018, right? They, they're in overtime. They're a coin flip away from going to the, to the super bowl. The next year, the Mahomes still on a rookie contract, uh, with now what is an above average defense, right? That you go out, they add Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and they win the super bowl. Um, he then goes on to sign the contract, which is usually when you see teams fall off a little bit when your talented quarterback is making so much money. Um, but the chiefs were just as good. Um, and you know, skip that the year where they lose the Bengals in the title game. The, the year after that, they get rid of Tyreek Hill, and even with Mahomes on a huge contract and, and no superstar receiver, they still win the Super Bowl. Uh, and and now you, you see Mahomes on this on, still on a second contract on a defensive minded team, where the the defense is the reason they are in the spot they're in this year, and they're still sixty minutes away from another trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't matter what type of team they have they've found they've won in multiple different ways uh and it is i think the rest of the league if we're being honest is shaking in their boots they are terrified and they know the chiefs aren't going anywhere anytime soon because they continue to adapt and they've sustained success that you just don't see in the nfl if you're not named tom brady um so i I don't want to call it house money because i think you want to take advantage of every single year you have mahomes and you have this window and you want to get every oppor- take every opportunity you can and then rack up as many championships as you can. Um, but if there ever was a game the Chiefs are playing with house money, it's this one. Because in their worst year uh, against the Ravens, who still have really not done anything in the playoffs, um, like they won this one game, th- that was Lamar's second playoff win. You know, fun fact, Brock Purdy has more playoff wins than Lamar Jackson, uh, which... All that just like Lamar still has so much left to prove. Uh, and if he does, if Lamar does go on to win and eventually wins the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and now he's going to be a Super Bowl winner, two time MVP, he's now quickly going to kind of jump up the ranks of all time quarterbacks if he can do that. But if he, if he loses at home to Mahomes, uh, it's going to be a different discussion. And he's going to be looked at then as a regular season quarterback. And that'll be a very different discussion. So, a lot on the line for. Lamar this week whereas Mahomes at this point is just chasing ghosts I mean he has nothing else left to prove other than can he catch up to Tom Brady and how many Super Bowls he went to and won that's, that's all Mahomes is really chasing at this point Um, a few quick things on the bills um, this iteration of the bills is done uh, people want to call this the new Brady Manning uh, it's not it's the new Brady Rivers. I know I, I didn't come up with that take. Other people have said that, but I agree wholeheartedly. This is, this is the new Tom Brady versus Philip Rivers. If you want to call that a rivalry, sure. Uh, the deepest Philip Rivers ever went into the playoffs uh, was with Ladainian Tomlinson as as the focal point of the offense. I, I don't remember if that was 2007 or eight or whatever it was. It was one of those years they went to the AFC title game and lost um, when they had a high powered offense with LT in his prime. Um, And honestly, the best the Bills looked this year was when Josh Allen was was just a game manager, and they ran the ball really well, uh, because Josh Allen couldn't turn the ball over when they ran the the offensive style like that, Um, which is problematic because when when they're relying solely on Josh Allen to be the guy, their ceiling's very high, but their floor is so low that you just can't. It's not sustainable. But then when you you shift the offense to being run focused, your your ceiling drops dramatically. You know, your, your margin of error is quite a bit lower because you don't have the high ceiling. And so they're at a a bit of a bind there because of the way Josh Allen plays. Um, And some stats that kind of, I'm not just saying that there's some stats that kind of back that up of in this game, he was 16 of 16 on throws behind the line of scrimmage. Right. So they were just throwing tons of screens and little quick passes behind the line of scrimmage. uh, And then. Uh, according to Next Gen stats, he was ten of twenty-one on passes beyond the line of scrimmage, and, and he only completed two um, passes beyond the first-down markers. Only two. Right, right, It probably should have been a couple more, a couple drops here and there. Um, but it still remains he is kind of reverting a little bit because the coaches are just so scared he's going to turn the ball over, and so he's now turning into a game manager who has this huge arm, but he's just not being used properly, and it's just a weird situation um so i mean the bills their focus last four years was to build their roster specifically to beat the chiefs right they they even said that after they lost the afc championship game i think it was their gm billy bean that that said they they were obsessed with beating the chiefs that was all they thought about was beating the chiefs Uh, and they did it the regular season when it didn't really matter Uh, i mean so congrats but they can't do it in the playoffs they just still can't do it and on top of all that, they're likely going to be 40 to $50 million over the cap next year. And with several players who are aging, I mean, Von Miller's making $20 million a year. He had five tackles and no sacks all year long. That's not a typo. I didn't misspeak. Von Miller, who is, I think, the highest played player on their team, maybe after Josh Allen, had five tackles and zero sacks this season. So big changes are coming for Buffalo. Uh, wouldn't be shocked to see them take a step back next year. Uh, but... I don't know, kind of fun as a Chiefs fan to watch that happen. Anyway, moving on to a couple of the other divisional round games. Um, This may be the most important two minutes of the whole episode today. Um, but I, I got to let you know, I went four for four on the weekend on my predictions on who's going to win. A couple of the scores were kind of close too. Uh Some of them were a little more off, but I, I picked the Ravens to, to beat the Texans 30 to 23. They won 34 to 10. So again, I was close with the Ravens. With the Ravens score. I picked the 49ers to beat the Packers. I was expecting a shootout, but I did not check the weather forecast beforehand. So um, the 49ers, they won 24-21. to So, you know, a little off with of the Niners score. Again, not too far off with of the Packers score. Uh, I picked the Lions to beat the Bucks 34-20, to and they won 31-23. So, again, not too far off. I mean, both teams were off just by a score. And then the last one, the big one, of course, the Chiefs beating the Bills 27-24. Uh, I predicted 27-23, so again, only to be a point off, going 4 for 4 on the weekend, and a few of those scores were not too far off, so pretty solid weekend in terms of my predictions. Uh, Just thought I'd throw that in there, Um, because I I just want you to know how good I'm doing. That's all I care about. That's what all this is about, right? Uh, Anyway, we're going to move on. The championship round coming up this week, starting with the Lions and 49ers. Uh, This is uh, Sunday at 5.30 on Fox. Uh, you got San Francisco as a seven-point favorite. Now, my first reaction when, when I saw this, I was like, that seems like a really big point spread for, A, a championship game, but, B, for a team in, in San Francisco that has looked rusty. They have not looked quite like themselves the last couple of weeks. Um, really, since the Ravens game, they haven't looked quite the same. Uh, they've just looked kind of shaky. And they're taking on what feels kind of like a team of destiny in Detroit, a team that that has all this emotional momentum. And it just feels because it's been so long since they've won anything. It, it, and it feels like the whole country is kind of pulling for them, myself included. It, it's fun to see them succeed. Dan Campbell's an entertaining guy to watch. I like Jared Goff. Um, and I'm just like, again, I was a bit surprised to, to see this line. Um, which, for a touchdown, I mean, that's a big line in, in this type of situation. But then I remembered a, a couple different things. Number one, Brock Purdy has a history of, of playing poorly in bad weather, which is what happened last week. It was rainy. It was kind of nasty. Um, but the game this weekend, it, it's supposed to be, like, sunny and 70, right? It's going to be good weather. Um, 49ers may have lost Debo Samuel. He's going to be questionable, but they they still have what I think what I look at is the most talented roster in the NFL. When you look at guys two through fifty-three, right? Brock Purdy. I'm still not really sold that he is a long-term elite quarterback for them. Uh, I think he's very much. He's. I mean, he's on basically a league minimum contract and surrounded by the Avengers. Uh, but the rest of their roster is elite. And if you're a quarterback that you can take care of the ball and not turn it over and, and just be smart and make a couple good throws. You can have success, and I think that's exactly what we've seen. And, and I just think I've talked about it before. I think their their roster is so deep and so talented, um, even when compared to Detroit, you know. And they have experience as well. They've been to four of the last five NFC title games. Like they've been in these moments. They've won, or they won it in 2019 to go to the Super Bowl. They're like with with this coach and a lot of these players who have been in Super Bowls. They've been in these games before. Um, and I just think people are going to be picking Detroit with their hearts. It's they're, it's going to be like one of those. I, I just want to see Detroit win, so I'm going to pick them. Um, and even I would also love to see them win after everything their fan base has endured. Like not even just in football, but with the Pistons, who are the worst team in basketball, and the Tigers, who aren't really who haven't been good in like a decade. Um, and even hockey, I don't watch it that much, but apparently the Red Wings are also always really bad. Uh, all that they just have not really won anything in a long time, and especially the Lions haven't won anything in a long time, and it'd be fun to see them win. Um, but again, all that all that being said, I still think the Niners are just too deep. I think because they've got the game, they got a little bit more m- momentum as a finding way to win the game, uh, they're going to take the Lions a little bit more seriously, and I think San Francisco's going to win 34-27. To move on to the Super Bowl, moving on to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Sunday at two p.m. on CBS and Paramount Plus. Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite, so pretty much the same spread as Kansas City versus Buffalo. Uh, longtime listeners know that I've I've never picked against the Chiefs that I can remember that I can think of dating back to my my episode number one. Any any game the Chiefs have had that I've made a prediction on, I've never picked against them. Uh, and so I, you know. A big part of that, I, I think, picking against Mahomes, especially in the postseason, is kind of disrespectful, given that he is—I believe he's thirteen and one against everybody, and that's not named Tom Brady in the postseason. Right? He lost to Brady twice, and he lost to Burrow one time. And outside of that, he has not lost a game in the playoffs. Um. And so, just that alone, it's a little. You know, I think it's a little disrespectful to pick against the Chiefs in the postseason. Uh, That being said, though, I mean, based on what the Ravens have accomplished so far this year, I mean, they've beaten what feels like I I think the number is they eight playoff teams. They beat, I think it was seven or eight playoff teams, and they won those games by an average of like 15 or 16, 17 points like they won all those games by an average of multiple touchdowns. Uh, There's a lot of advanced metric stats that say they're one of the top 10 teams ever. Just when you look at their offensive and defensive and special teams, when you combine all of it, like analytically, they're one of the top 10 teams we've ever seen. Um, They've been beating teams and they've been beating teams by a lot. And this is probably going to be the first time that I, I don't find it disrespectful to pick against the chiefs, right? To, to turn on a talk show or a podcast and hear people pick the Ravens to win. You know, if any other game the Chiefs play, and when when you pick against the Chiefs, I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, are you sure about that? (laughs) You know? But I think this is going to be the first time when I hear people pick the Ravens, I'm not going to be, it's not going to shock me. It's not going to be like, wow, that's so dumb. How could you do that? Because the reality is, man, the the Ravens don't have a weakness, right? Their defense led the league in points. Um, Sorry, the defense led the league in points, sacks, and takeaways which has never happened in the NFL, right? The kind of like the triple crown, if you will, of defense, the fewest points, the most sacks, the most takeaways for a defense has never happened in the NFL, um, which is pretty, pretty insane. They have the number one rush offense in the NFL. They led the league in rush yards per game and they lay, laid by 15 yards per game, right? They have a very good offensive line. They have great running backs. Of course they have a great, uh, Ball carrier and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who may be the most dynamic ball carrier on the field. They've got the best kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker. He, he's the all-time leader in, in field goal percentage. He's been doing it for a long time. He's made some huge kicks in his career. Um, and they have some great young pass catchers. And Isaiah Likely, their tight end who is filled in for Mark Andrews, has really come on strong. Uh, Zay Flowers has had a really strong rookie year. Uh, Mark Andrews might even be back. Um, And they have an experienced Super Bowl champion, not only in head coach, but even in the receiving core, Odell Beckham Jr., who has really kind of started to figure things out. Uh, And and so the Ravens, like I said, they don't really have a weakness, if we're being honest. Um, And so with all that being said, Chiefs by 90. Not really 90, but the Chiefs are going to win this game. I don't care who's on the other side. I don't care who's on standing on the other side. I don't care if it's the current MVP. I don't care. It's Mahomes. He doesn't lose these. He's the grim reaper. He's the villain. The Chiefs are that team. Bring it on. Chiefs win 31-27. You heard it here first. They're just that team. He's that guy. Chiefs win 31-27. Put it in Sharpie. Let's move on to my top five list. I'm kind of pumped up right now. I'm kind of fired up. If you can't tell. Um, but... This is a top five list that I can also, I can stay kind of pumped up about it, all right? So this top five list is going to be my top five candy right now. Now, I got to give you a disclaimer. There there are are times where I I do prefer certain candies over others. And so this this list has moved around a little bit for me in the past five, maybe 10 years. Like if you were to ask me five years ago what my favorite is, it's different or it would have been different than what's number one on my list right now. But things so things have moved around. Uh, but this is my top 5 candy top 5 favorite candies today January 24th, 2024. Oh hey, look at that 2424. Uh at number 5, mini M&Ms. I don't know what it is, but they just taste better than regular M&Ms in my opinion. I don't know if there's some type of chemical or something in the the dye on the the candy shells or what. But just having the little tube of the mini ms and just like drinking them, I mean I know how bad it is for me but like it, it I don't care it's just so good you know when you get the little tube and, and I just like drink them and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing I need I need more tubes give me more tubes of mini ms uh, So many Mm's coming in at five number four, I like twix uh, not only are they delicious, I think they're a great balance of uh, soft and chewy but also crunchy. Um, Just all it all around great candy, but it's also kind of a fun storyline, you know, left Twix versus right Twix. I mean, what a classic rivalry right versus left, you know, Uh, so not only is it a great candy, they've got a great storyline, a great, a great backstory, uh, and and I still don't know where I stand on that, if I'm being honest, because if you don't know this about me, I'm right handed and left footed, which I get it. I'm kind of I'm a little weird and twisted up. I don't know how that happened. But I am, uh, and so I, it's hard for me to be like, oh, I, I love the right side, or oh, I love the left side, because I, I I share affinity with both sides. So I don't know, I'll I'll think about that and see what I come up with, but anyway, number three on my list, peanut butter m ms This has been one of those longtime favorites for me, and I'm a little shocked as I made this list, I was a little like, wow, really, it's all the way down to three, because if you know me, if you know me for a while, you know peanut butter m ms for a long time have been pretty much at the top of this list. Um, I would, as I've worked at camp in the summer, uh, as I go city to city, we, we make lots of stops at gas stations and and peanut butter M&Ms were always my go-to and they're, I've introduced them to people and people, you know, and I've loved them. They've been awesome, but just based on maybe it's, maybe I've, maybe I've eaten too many of them over the years. Maybe that's part of it. I've just gotten my, my, my fill on them and, so now they're not like the number one thing that I crave the most, but they are still delicious. I can't, I can't deny that. Peanut butter M&M's coming in at number three. Number two, Skittles. Man, I think Skittles on their own are great. Even just original Skittles are great. But something I discovered the, a couple summers ago while I was at on camp, something called Sprittles, um, changed my life skittles that you take and you pour into a cup of sprite like if you go into a quick trip or just any gas station and you fill up a 32 ounce cup with, with sprite and then you take a bag of skittles and you pour it into the sprite and you just let it sit there and marinate for like five minutes and you drink the sprite I mean it'll change your life it's like the taste it's like the flavor of skittles mixed in with the the sprite um, and I think if you combine those I guess that might be my favorite candy it's a weird it's a weird thing but i think skittles on their own are coming in at two because i do think they're great but they're also and to an extent have probably been eaten a little too much by me recently to the point of like okay maybe i'll move on to something else which is my number one that i'll get to in a second but again i love skittles and i'm a huge fan of Spr- uh, sprittles so i may just have to go get some when i'm done recording this but the moment you've really been waiting for the number one candy on my list as of right now as of today January 24th 2024 is a Reese's cup. I don't know what it is. Something about the mix of chocolate and peanut butter and I know we've already had a combination like that on this list but something about a Reese's peanut butter cup is just everything I need sometimes, you know. Um and then especially when you when you factor in like the the Easter egg version of the 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 Reese's like they're not really Reese's cups, but they're like in the form of an Easter bunny or they'll have the cr- little Christmas tree version of them around Christmas time, Christmas time are just game changers, simply put. Uh, and so that's where I'm at today. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's just kind of one of those. That's the the wave I'm on right now. It's the kick that I'm on is that Reese's cups are my thing right now. And I just can't get enough. I mean, I'm sure I can because I. it's really unhealthy. But you know what I mean? They're just great, and I and I'm just a big fan. So, run through this again. Number five, mini MMs. Number four, Twix. Number three, peanut butter MMs. Okay, again, I just to make sure we have this distinction: peanut butter MMs. So there's peanut butter in the middle. Peanut MMs. While I do like them, they're not in my top five. They, they can get an honorable mention, but peanut butter MMs are my number three. Skittles are in there at two. You know, don't forget the Sprittles. Don't forget to pour it in your Sprite. And then. Of course, number one, Reese's Cups, especially when you include the Easter egg or the Christmas tree versions of the Reese's Cups. And so there you have it, the top five candy, according to me, as of today. And so to wrap all this up, we are going to talk about the office, I'm going to give you the office quote of the week, as always, and I'm going to tie it into my top, my, uh, my candy list, okay? So... This this quote coming from Michael Scott. He says, "Nobody likes beets, Dwight. Why don't you grow something that everybody does like? You should grow candy. I'd love a piece of candy right now, not a beet." So, this is a one a great quote, and of course, it it ties in very well with our our top five list for the day. And the more I'm thinking about, it, I'm probably gonna start including some more of these top five or top ten, whatever it might be top lists into some of the end of these podcasts in some of these episodes because again like I mentioned before some of the feedback I've got some people aren't too aren't all that interested in the sports side of things which I respect it uh, I I could talk about sports all day long that's why I have a podcast about them but some people they just want to support me and they 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 like the 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 lists that I make and they that's their fun content for me and so I may start including these a little bit more often to just mix things up a little bit towards the end of every every episode and so there's your candy. Um well, I'm I'm always open to taking suggestions on what other top lists you would like to like to see me put together. Obviously, in the past I've done Christmas movies, I've done um, just regular, just overall movies. So, again, if you have something that you want to hear, like a top 10 list or top 5 list of something, let me know and I'll and I'll see if I can fit it into, into my schedule. So, that is going to do it for today's episode. Go get yourself a piece of candy. Enjoy some championship weekend football uh, as we now only have three football games left in this season, which is kind of sad. Um, but hopefully we've got some a couple good ones left and hopefully the Chiefs are able to make their way back into the Super Bowl, or make their way to Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58, is it? Yeah, I think Super Bowl 58. So a lot on the line this weekend. Looking forward to it and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, enjoy your week, and as always, go Chiefs!